0: Hey, Rockheads, beware of falling cliché and listen up. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is Lawrence Ryan, announcing show number 496 with guest Dean Guo, recorded live Tuesday, September 1st, 2009. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter, Makers of ActiveReports.net. Simple, powerful, and cost-effective reporting for Windows forms and ASP.NET web applications. Online at www.datadynamics.com. Support is also provided by Code Magazine, the leading independent magazine for .NET developers. Online at www.code-magazine.com. And now... The man who'd like to see just one movie trailer that doesn't start with, in a world... Carl
1: Franklin! Thank you very much, this is Carl Franklin, you're listening to .NET Rocks. I am in Malmö, Sweden, which is just across the water from Copenhagen, Denmark. And I'm here at Ordev. It's like 2 in the morning here, I'm recording the intro, because Richard is asleep, we spent the night in the bar... I had my guitar, we were playing and singing songs, and you haven't lived until you've heard American Pie sung by drunk Swedes, let me tell you folks. (laughs) But anyway, uh, we don't have any email today or any uh, Better Know framework, so we're just going to roll the recording. But first, we want to uh, acknowledge that we're going to see you at Dev Connections in Vegas in a week or so, and we're also going to see you at the PDC. And uh, after that, we've got a whole bunch of vacation time, you know, the holidays and all that stuff, and we're looking forward to the launch, which is going to happen in March. After the launch, I can't tell you exactly when, but we're thinking about doing another road trip. That's right. We're thinking about it. So stay tuned for that. You won't want to miss it. We're going to, we're maybe going to go cross country and talk to people like we did before in 2005 Stick around. Lots of good things happening at .NET Rocks. Our guest today is Dean Guo. He's a Senior Program Manager for External Research Division of Microsoft Research. External Research Division is responsible for broad reach and in-depth engagements with academic and research institutions, related government agencies, and industry partners. This division is also responsible for working with internal Microsoft groups to build future technologies and products that will transform computing for scientific and engineering research. Dean's been working with Microsoft for 10 years. Prior to joining the external research division, he spent eight years in Microsoft Consulting Services as a .NET application development consultant, working with a variety of Microsoft Enterprise customers. He specialized in Enterprise Application Integration and web application development in .net. He moved to Microsoft research a year and a half ago and's been working on developing solutions to support large-scale science projects and reproducible research. Project Trident, a scientific workflow workbench is an example. Dean has a PhD degree in medical informatics from the University of Utah. Welcome Dean.
2: Thank you, Carl.
1: Sounds like a lot of fun, whatever it is.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
3: And you strike me as a very unusual character because most folks I've ever talked to that are involved in Microsoft Research were scientists that came directly from university into research. You actually spent time as a developer.
2: Yeah. I, I joined Microsoft as an uh, application uh, development consultant. I started in healthcare practice, and then I moved to the public sector. So I work on different projects. I, I gained a lot of practical uh, experiences using uh, .NET, I-, I felt that was a great uh, advantage uh, moving to research because I have some practical experience, and also my passion is research, and uh, this has been a great run.
1: Where is that? Where has it specifically helped you? Being, you know, having that experience as a developer.
2: Uh, as a developer, because I uh, had a chance to work with uh, customers, because external research, we are uh, collaborating with uh, scientists from universities, researchers, and uh, also uh, we, uh, we need to know not only technology, uh, but also uh, we need to know processes, uh, we also need to know how uh, researchers uh, do their jobs. So, uh, with this consulting uh, experience, um, I I feel like I uh, can uh, talk uh, to the customers in their point of view, and also I can uh, work with developers and, and design uh, systems to meet their needs, and uh, why write uh, specifications. Uh, I can um, talk to talk to in terms of customer's language and also developer's
1: language. Yeah. It seems like you have your foot in the best of both worlds.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, let me uh, give you some background in terms of scientific computing first, and, and then I will talk about it in detail. Sure. Um, so in terms of uh, scientific computing... The nature of scientific computing is changing. Uh, data storage, data sets grow faster than Moore's Law. Uh, we have sensors deployed on ocean floor. We have digital cameras taking pictures of the sky every day. And there are lots of data generated. And uh, so there is a explosion of uh, a data uh, coming in for analysis. So, typically, if you look at a data management cycle, it involves data ingestion, data transformation, and data archival. Um, You you collect the data from different sources, especially sensors, a large amount of data. They come in uh, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And there are also different types of data, the land data, water data, ocean data, and All kinds of data sources, they come from uh, government agencies, research institutions. They all need to be ingested before use. And then after data is ingested, we need to do data transformation, have data analysis with different models. You create interactive graphs based on results from different models. And then you perform aggregations of results to uh, generate uh, research products. And at the end, you also need to do data archive because um, you want to publish papers, you want to reproduce experiments, and all these uh, need some tools to to manage. So the scientific community is in great need of scalable solutions for data-intensive computing.
1: So it sounds like it's not just the data, but the logistics as well.
2: Yes, yes. It's a whole cycle of uh, getting the data, doing the analysis, where you put the data, you run different experiments, you generate all kinds of results, and then a few days later, you want to publish paper. You say, well, "How did I generate that piece of data? What 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 algorithm did I use? Uh, how what parameters I, I use?" So there are all kinds of things that we you, you can't manage this manually anymore. Uh, traditionally. People have been using uh, scripts to manage, uh, what we call workflows, manage the data collection, data analysis. Uh, but the problem is that you, uh, some scientists can, can do this uh, with computer science background, but most scientists they want to focus on science instead of computer programming. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's where. Uh, Trident uh, uh, comes from the idea of Trident is a is an open source uh, workbench uh, for uh, scientific uh, workflow, and, and so that provides a workflow environment in which uh, scientists can compose, run, and catalog experiments as scientific workflows.
1: So, is this does this also include collaboration? Because I know that you had something to do with iBird. Or one of those projects that was a real-time collaboration thing? Does that have is that a piece of it?
2: Uh, yes, we do have collaboration uh, as part of the feature set because uh, collaboration, as you know, in the scientific community, is very important. Uh, increasingly, a big science project is done uh, across uh, universities, even across countries. And uh, collaboration is, is a critical component. So in Trident, uh, we did have, uh, we do have a, a feature set that uh, enable scientists to share workflows, to uh, upload uh, workflows to a portal, and people can download or, or even embed a workflow definitions and experiment results in a word document so that uh, people can share the Word document and annotate, write additional descriptions, and everything is self-contained within the Word document for reproducible research and for other purposes.
3: So are we using Windows Workflow here? when you building workflows like this?
2: Yes, yeah, so we are building Trident on top of Windows Workflow Foundation because we don't want to reinvent the wheel to build another workflow engine. Uh, The value-add of Trident is uh, we have a custom uh, designer. Uh, The custom designer is totally different from Visual Studio. So traditionally, as a developer, if you develop Windows Workflow application, you use Visual Studio, uh, you open out a project, you create uh, objects, classes, and you reference different libraries. Uh, the problem with that is is very intimidating for us scientists right. uh, to use. And, then, and another thing is um, it's not data flow centric. If, if you uh, design, if you develop a workflow application in Visual Studio, you can drag and drop activities uh, in the designer surface but you, when you connect different activities, it's not uh, data-centric in the sense that because for scientific workflows, it, it consists of series of activities. Each activity has well-defined data inputs and outputs, and, and it can have several inputs, can have several outputs, and, and then you want to chain these activities together so the previous outputs will, be, will become the next inputs. Uh, in Visual Studio, uh, there's no way uh, to do that. So in the Trident Custom uh, Workflow Designer, we uh, enable that so that it's natural for scientists to connect different activities together and make a workflow. So uh, in Trident, uh, it's a workbench. It provides a library of workflows and libraries of activities, and users can develop their own. So that will increase the uh, reusability and maintenance. So, for example, you have a well defined algorithm. You can develop, you can embed that algorithm inside an activity. That activity is a Windows workflow uh, concept. It's it, think about it just a piece of code uh, follows Windows workflow interface definition. And the key method is, is the execute method. So, you put your code inside that method, uh, it does its own thing, and then you import it to Trident Workbench, and anybody can uh, reuse that in, in different workflows. So, the idea is we have a catalog of activities, catalog of workflows. You can have domain specific workflows, and you can have general purpose activities, domain specific activities. Uh, ranging from reading data, data analysis, visualization, and so, so scientists can just drag and drop and connect them together with minimum programming um, experience required to do that. Wow!
3: So it's just build, Really, you're just like I said, workbench works in the way that scientists think. This progression of workflows of gather data, you know, collating the data and doing reporting on it, and so forth.
2: Yeah, so so that's one piece of it. So so scientists can build workflow. And then uh, after you build workflow, you want to make sure you can run it and you can maintain the history of the workflow because the uh, reproducibility of research is very important. For example, uh, you do one experiment with one algorithm, and then you want to try another uh, algorithm, and you want to try different data inputs. And we, we automatically capture all these, and then we call provenance. So um, let me just uh, talk about provenance a little bit, uh, because that's a very essential component uh, in terms of uh, scientific workflow. So the goal of workflow provenance is to um, validate uh, the workflow and to determine the quality of generated data products. Uh, What that means is you you want to maintain the history, what was done, what data inputs were done, intermediate steps, Uh, what data was generated, Uh, what data outputs were generated. So when you go back uh, to previous experiments, you can trace, this is what I did. And if you want to let another uh, research team to validate what you did, uh, provenance is a very important record uh, for uh, research reproducibility, and also for publishing papers, uh, that gives you uh, the uh, the record.
1: Yeah, I just want to be clear about the word you said. It's provenance, provenance, yeah. right? Like the history of an artifact.
2: Yes. Yes. The story, the, back- the backstory. Yes.
1: Yeah. Think think
3: of it as provenance, right? It's the path of proof. Right.
2: Yeah. Yes. Path of proof. That's a critical piece. So Trident provides the mechanism. To uh, automatically uh, capture the provenance, unlike uh, uh, if you develop a, a workflow uh, system by yourself, and uh, you have to manage all these uh, by hand. Uh, if, you, if you program all these, that adds a lot of overhead to uh, change the experiment to try different things. So the, the 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 reason we can do this is really the Windows Workflow Foundation. Because uh, Windows Workflow Foundation is a, is a state machine. Uh, mm-hmm. The engine uh, knows, okay, where, where does it need to start? Wh- which is the activity to start? And when they're executing uh, different activities, it knows, okay, I'm initializing, I'm executing, uh, there's an error. So it knows the different state, a, a different stage. And we have this mechanism of, of capturing these.
0: And then we have
2: this publish and subscribe uh, service that uh, to uh, capture all this uh, workflow engine generated data because uh, when workflow uh, service is executing a, a, a publishes, it keeps publishing all these data to this publish and subscribe service. And there are all kinds of subscribers. We have monitoring service. We have provenance service. And a user can add additional services to the system and uh, it, it has minimum impact on existing components. So, with this uh, overall uh, runtime environment, so it's, it, it makes very flexible to uh, capture uh, provenance data, uh, monitoring data during runtime, error handling, and, and you can also customize it and to fit your own purposes. If you want to get additional data or you want to filter out data that you don't want, you can do all kinds of things.
3: I got to think that most of these custom modules are about dealing with different sensor collection methods.
2: Uh, Yes. Part of it is to deal with uh, data ingestion. Uh, You you have data from sensors, also data from uh, web services, and there are certain standards in different domains. For example, in uh, oceanography uh, community, uh, they use uh, NetCDF file format. and They have uh, different uh, ways of, uh, standard ways of retrieving the data from a server. And uh, for astronomy, uh, data will be different. And they usually, the uh, telescope, uh, those telescopes generate a lot of files, and then you have to read those files in and, and filter the data and put data into a database and do data transformation, do some analysis. So different domains have different needs. Right. And and, and different algorithms. For example, in a gene uh, um, alignment, uh, Area that you can have different algorithms. Some algorithms are more accurate than others, but they're slower. And you, you generate the uh, matching scores, like uh, you have gene sequence, you want to determine whether they match, and, and then you can generate different uh, matching scores. And you try different algorithms, and, and there are different results. So, so you, you, you try all these things. And then you uh, want to generate some uh, outputs, and then you can visualize. And so, so in general, in the in this workflow environment, you you want to uh, easily uh, capture the uh, workflow steps, and you you can easily run it, and and the system will generate uh, those provenance records and generate all these uh, records so that you can. A validate later.
1: Cool. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik, who bring you the new TFS Work Item Manager and TFS Project Dashboard. So if you're spending a lot of time on organizing the cluttered pile of work items in TFS, get ready for a fresh and intuitive experience. The guys at Telerik just launched the TFS Work Item Manager and Project Dashboard, a couple of free tools designed to make working with Team Foundation Server faster and easier. Unlike the standard TFS Explorer, the Work Item Manager lets you take advantage of powerful capabilities like filtering as you type search, grouping and aggregation, and iteration scheduling. You can even see all the work items in a Scrum Dashboard view, as if watching the whiteboard in your own room. Project Dashboard is a unique tool for visualizing TFS data. Useful for both developers and project managers, it helps you keep track of the latest TFS project activity like current iteration progress, build history, recent check-ins, assigned tasks, and bug history, and to understand the health of the project as a whole. The TFS tools are brought to you by Telerik and Imaginet, the experts in application lifecycle management. Built with RAD controls for WPF, they're both amazingly flexible and responsive. Go to Telerik.com and download the TFS tools for free. And hey, don't forget to thank them for supporting .NET Rocks.
3: So I'm wondering if... Uh, this sort of sensor collection methodology, interpretation and sorting of data wouldn't work nicely in the regular business world, too, because this sounds like something that a, a factory would really want. Uh,
2: yeah, I mean, this is not limited to uh, scientific domain. Of course, we start from a uh, scientific domain that right. is data-centric uh, in... Uh, In in other fields, I'm sure anything that is uh, data-centric in a factory assembly plant or even in, uh, let's say, weather forecasting, anything related to data. right? And and then you you, you need to do uh, analysis, and then you need to filter the data. You you need to uh, reliably record what's going on. And, and make it easy for user to quickly try different things, and that that's uh, really important.
3: So yeah, this has got to be terabytes of data in some cases, right? Like you're talking about astronomy; those images are huge.
2: Yeah. So let me give you an example. Uh, there's a project called PanSTARRS, and it, it's uh, it, it's a is it developed by uh, at the University of Hawaii's Institute for Astronomy? So the Pan-STARRS system is able to uh, capture the entire available sky several times uh, each month. It, it, essentially, it's a big digital camera. So wow. it will generate 2.5 terabytes data per night, just the raw image data. So in terms of a year, it would be one petabyte data. So think about that.
3: That's a lot of data.
2: That's a lot of data. So the, the, the goal of a Panstar is to uh, discover and characterize Earth-approaching uh, objects. Imagine they take a sky to, take a picture of the sky, they compare images so you can identify uh, whether there are any uh, Earth-approaching objects and like uh, asteroids or comets that pose danger to our planet. There's a huge volume of images produced by this system. So that's one example. Another is the uh, ocean oceanographer, Uh, like study of oceans. So uh, there's a project called Neptune led by the University of Washington. Uh, This is a a science and education program and uh, associated with the studies of Northeast Pacific Ocean of the Washington and Oregon coast. So sensors are being deployed on the ocean floor uh, to enable uh, real-time uh, data collection. So each uh, sensor, you can think of it uh, uh, as an IP address. It is really a, 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 a data source that is uh, collecting data uh, 24 hours a day, seven mm-hmm. days a week. And uh, there's huge amount of data that can collect can be collected to study the global climate change, greenhouse gases, earthquakes, tsunamis, and study life in extreme environments of sea floor, volcanoes. Right. This yeah. A large amount of data, and and that that's a trend. A lot of data being collected from those sensors from from the sky, from satellites, hmm. even from uh, web services. How do you deal with that? And that has been a, a great challenge.
3: When, especially when you're talking about round-the-clock recording like that, most of that is not going to be all that interesting. You're going to need to be able to collate down to the bits that are, you know, during the eruption and that kind of stuff.
2: Yes, yes, yes. So that 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 involves. Okay, how you filter the data, how you do the archival, How do you, what data you want to uh, uh, store. And there are certain data that can be generated. You don't want to store the, the final product. You can use workflows to uh, generate certain products based on data inputs.
1: Dean, can you, can you tell me, it sounds like this workflow application has a potential for a nice plug-in architecture so that you could add modules to actually do some things with the data that you're collecting and working on that might be specific to each particular, uh, uh, you know, particular implementation. Is, is that how it works? Is there, is, do you use a plug-in architecture to use meth, for example? Or
2: the plug-in architecture, uh, in this case is we have, this, there you, you can look at two ways uh, one is at the workflow level uh, a workflow consists of uh, activities right? activity is really a, it's a block of code that you implement that you, either you read data do a data analysis a visualization and you, you can embed web services in there so, so that that, be, that that's like the building block so if you build those activities uh, within this environment, you can connect them together. So it's like an uh, integrated circuit design metaphor. You you have all these uh, blocks of things. and then You can build a bigger block. So workflow can have another embedded workflow and have another embedded workflow. Right. And, and so that's one level of uh, integration. Another level of integration is... Uh, we can have uh, different data sources. So we can have, uh, we not only work with SQL Server, uh, we also work with, um, let's say, uh, Clouds uh, data storage, right. uh, Amazon S3. Or we're doing uh, research to enable, uh, to work against uh, Microsoft cloud uh azure data storage
1: i'm thinking in particular about using the data once it's you know once you have it you know something that would allow you to do an analysis of data and 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 particularly to you know to the uh to the business domain that that you're working with or to the to the dom- whatever the domain is
2: yes so so uh, and then you build the libraries of these you build libraries of these. It's like a catalog. And then once you test those, you uh, valid those, and you, you put them into this catalog. So Trident has this uh, registry that maintains all the catalog of activities or workflows, and that's become the reusable uh, component. And then coming back to the uh, plug model, uh, in Windows Workflow, uh, you can add uh services for the runtime. So you can uh, you can tell the runtime, I have this service that please call during the runtime. And that service can be um, anything can be a publication service, can be special data handling service. And, and that's another level of integration that you can plug in to this runtime. Uh, again, this is really, Leveraging the existing Windows workflow uh, infrastructure uh, to to to, uh, to to integrate different services, and in our case, we're using WCF uh, in our uh, publish and subscribe. So the uh, the publisher side is really the uh, we call the uh, workflow execution service. So we wrap around this. Uh, building in Windows Workflow Foundation uh, execution service, uh, we make it uh, as a WCF service itself. And then uh, there, like a provenance service, it's also a WCF service. So we can publish the data to the provenance service through WCF. And then uh, for monitoring, it's the same thing. We publish through this WCF to the uh, monitoring service so that that will enable us to do a uh, monitoring locally or remotely uh, and another thing is we have this uh, high performance computing cluster environment
1: yeah my next question was so if you have number crunching that needs to be done you sort of ship that out to a farm connect yeah. up a little service to give you your results back
2: yeah yeah so we have this uh uh, we can leverage uh, Microsoft uh, high-performance computing clusters to do uh, really uh, parallel uh, workflow executions. And the user experience is the same. So you just specify where you want to execute, you, either you uh, the desktop computer name or the cluster name. Because uh, for a uh, high-performance computer cluster, uh, as you know, there's the a head node or there compute nodes. You just tell the execution engine, okay, here's a cluster, here's the head node, and th- these are the workflows that we want to run. And the system will uh, use HPC schedule, scheduler to schedule those workflows and run them uh, across different compute nodes. So it's a highly scalable uh, platform. It can do uh, desktop uh, computation, uh, scale up to the cluster environment. Well,
3: and what's cool about that architecture then is that you, a university, can have a computing cluster, and you could easily share time on this between lots of different projects, all off the same uh, workbench.
2: Yeah, that's exactly true. That, that's really the idea of uh, to make it a uh, seamless. Uh, it works the same way, either on a desktop or a computer cluster environment. And the research is being done to enable uh, similar things on the cloud. So the, the cloud environment uh, is even more flexible. So the, the cloud infrastructure will enable, uh, will, will hide a lot of complexity from users if the computing demands uh, is very high and we'll allocate a more uh, virtual machines to, add, uh, to process the data. Right. If, uh, if it's low, then we'll, um, we'll, we'll use uh, the minimum resource needed.
1: Hey, I just want to give a shout-out real quick to our friends at Data Dynamics who uh, make ActiveReports.net, among other really awesome things. ActiveReports.net is great because uh, it allows you to just build your reports with an easy editor. Embed them right in your application, provide PDF and HTML output, give your end users a report editor, royalty-free, of course, a great access report upsizing wizard, and all this for a price that isn't going to break the bank. ActiveReports.net from Dynamics. Go check it out now at datadynamics.com. I think about
3: uh, guys I've worked with in universities, the amount of time it takes to load up a workload onto a supercomputer to then run it for you know, two or three hours and then get all the results back off it before the next guy can come in. Just being able to, to pare that down so that you have as little downtime on those compute clusters as possible.
2: Yeah, so that had, that's a big challenge. That's a great question because with large amount of data, the movement the data becomes an issue. And so the, the solution for that is we try to move the computing resources closer to the data. Instead of moving the data around, uh, we, we, we try to uh, keep the data where that is, and then we want to we move the, uh, the actual workflow, actual computation. Uh, close to the machine. And that is uh, still a, a big challenge, and it's a, it's a great research topic in terms of how to solve that problem. And another way of doing that is uh, we have uh, a, a product called Dryad, Dryad Link. That's a, uh, it, think about the map uh, reduce mechanism, so you can divide big files into smaller chunks.
3: Right, and then you
2: process them independently, and then you consolidate the results back together. And that—that's another. Uh, mechanism. And then you can use workflows to do that as well.
1: When you're dealing with these big sets of data, are there any technologies as a programmer that you have to rule out? Like, um, well, I'm, other than the obvious ones, you're not going to load up an entire set of data in memory and use Link, but. What about link to SQL or or some sort of uh, entities or or um, is, are there any technologies that you know standard developers would normally grab for that you couldn't because of the size of the data?
2: Yeah, so so obviously you don't want to load all the data into memory. And currently, uh, what I know of is we. Uh, generally, divide them up into different uh, pieces, and then you only uh, process the data you need. So, the data ingestion part, uh, you, the, the, the part that reads the data in uh, is the tricky part. How, how you make sure that you, you only read the data that you need, and, and also you, you, you don't want to uh, overload the system. And, of course, yeah. you can use files and move things around. and But you don't want to uh, physically move the data. You can use references. You can use references to uh, reference uh, the data sets. That's how you keep the catalog of data sets. And, and so, so you avoid the copies of data uh, along the way. So there are all kinds of techniques uh, to avoid the, this data copying Loading large amount of data to memory and, and, and things like that.
3: You mentioned Dryad. You know, about this time last year, we did a show on Dryad with Michael Iser, right? And oh, at the time, Dryad's not publicly was not publicly available, but it is now.
2: Well, yes, it's, uh, it's, uh, you can download the binary uh, from Research Download if you go to the go to Bing uh type uh, dryad dryad link you're gonna see the uh, download site so you can download the binary and the free of charge you can try it
3: that's cool and, and for folks who don't remember what dryads about maybe you could talk a little bit more about it because there is a there is a link provider for dryad as well
2: yes the link provider uh, makes it much easier to uh, to query the data, because the Dryad it itself is managed code, uh, Dryad Link provides this uh, wrapper to make it really easy to manipulate the data uh, through uh, the .NET uh, framework.
3: And yeah, I give this. I keep seeing these situations where an experienced .NET programmer would really help out here because they, they know the libraries that are available and how to take advantage of them much more than someone working purely in the scientific community would.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so uh, there's definitely an integration point between Dryad and Trident. Uh, that that's one of the things that uh, I'm exploring right now. Uh, how we can leverage uh, Dryad's uh, capability of dealing with large uh, data sets and then um, make it as a workflow activity within Trident right. so that it can uh, deal with the large data sets.
1: What do you use for visualization, for data visualization? Are you using third-party tools? Or are you using uh, graphs and charts from Dundas or something? Reporting services? Uh, uh,
2: visualization, uh, we have this uh, framework. Re- really, it depends on uh, the activity uh, writer. So out of the box, we provide some uh, basic uh, charting uh, visualization, like a charts. chart. Uh, but that's not enough. A lot of visualization in scientific uh, community uh, has 3D that has images, uh, so that requires uh, the different uh, plugins. Uh, for example, uh, you can have a totally uh, uh, custom-developed visualization tool that can read data that output from the workflow. So the workbench doesn't... Uh, y- y- you can use third-party visualization tool to visualize data. There's no restriction on that. Uh, But out of the box, uh, we don't really provide uh, a kind of a domain-specific visualization tool yet because uh, that would take some time to uh, make the library uh, uh, comprehensive.
1: But you do offer plug-in points, though, right?
2: Yes, yes. So, so you, you can plug in the visualization component uh, right. in the workflow, the, depending on the type of data that you want to visualize. You the, can the Excel to uh, display data, and somebody wants to use charts, and somebody wants to use a uh, totally different uh, 3D imaging uh, display.
1: Right. Excel, you mentioned there before. I mean, we didn't quite hear what you said. But I think you said somebody could use Excel if they wanted to.
2: Yeah, if yeah, they all, yeah.
3: Well, I, and I got to think scientists all live in Excel. That's the, sure. the you know, most familiar paradigm you could ask for.
2: Yeah. So, so you you can uh, plug in uh, different pieces. That's the beauty of workflow. So you have have activities uh, that that wrap around uh, different. Uh, technologies, uh, either web services, or .NET classes, or even uh, .COM components, and, and you can uh, connect them together and then uh, build a workflow.
1: So, is Neptune like the 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 sort of the project that you point to to say, "Look, this is how Trident is really being used in the real world." This it seems like there's a lot of um, buzz on the internet about uh neptune and trident you know when i when i'm looking for searching for trident
2: yeah. neptune
1: comes up over and over again
2: yes yes that's uh that's uh we, we're collaborating with uh university of washington right. and and we feel like the oceanographers uh, the trident uh workbench it it, it it would be a great um tool <clears throat> for the uh, Neptune project. Actually, initially, uh, Trident uh, was... Um, the idea uh, started with oceanography community. Uh, yeah. You know, Jim Gray uh, is a famous uh, um, database uh, fellow uh, in Microsoft, and he was the uh, first person who had the vision of uh, oceanographers' workbench, so uh, he he actually uh, originally started this, and then um, my manager uh, Roger Abajé uh, he worked with Jim Gray, and and they, they started this workbench idea. So oceanography really was the first. Scientific discipline.
1: Yeah, I was going to say maybe you could apply that to geology. You know, if you could put sensors all over in the ground, you know, to to study seismic activity, for example.
2: Yes. Yes. Exactly. There, there, the pattern exists for lots of domains, and even biology. And you do uh, gene uh, alignment, in hmm. mapping, hmm. and. Uh, You can do weather forecasting, and it's everywhere.
1: Chemical analysis of water. I mean, the list goes on and on.
2: Yes, yes.
3: Yeah, and I just don't see this as that much of a jump from there to quality assurance controls on on a factory. Like, it seems very similar to me that you could build up a a workflow package around a factory process and do the same kind of analysis.
1: And not just one factory, but factories all over your enterprise, I can imagine.
2: So, so workflows uh, are becoming uh, kind of a increasingly uh, becoming an important vehicle for uh, this integration, reusability, ease of configuration. And, and, and so it's a natural for our people to uh, build uh, something with minimum programming uh, experience. It's a great tool for analysts. To quickly come up with a a, a, a workflow, and, and then can be uh, executed and deployed.
3: In, you know the uh, the whole Providence concept. Ramay- I did a lot of work in uh, electronic discovery on the legal side, and they had this concept of chain of evidence, right. that as things moved around, you needed very clear records of how things were handled and so forth. Mm-hmm. And it just reminds me of that same process.
1: Even in the financial system, in the financial software, or medical software, I mean, anything where data changes, be, you know, there has to be a reason, there has to be a story behind it.
2: Yeah. And, and if somebody uh, challenges that, you have to provide the proof. Right. Right. And and there are a lot of complexities that we face during the development because uh, to make sure we can always go back to the original workflow, we have to maintain different versions of the same workflow.
3: Yeah, we need to upgrade software. Yeah,
2: yeah, we can't can't delete a workflow easily. (laughs) We have to maintain that because there are data products related to that. Uh, we want to be able to go back to that experiment and reproduce what the workflow looked like at that time. So that means we maintain versionings, versions of different workflows.
1: Right. What's, uh, what's next for the, for the project? You have a new version in the works and uh, are there any particular new technologies that you're working with?
2: Well, there are different things that uh, we're working on. The, obviously, are, there's there are a lot of interest uh, to enable uh, Trident on the cloud. That means right. uh, there are two levels of uh, leveraging uh, the cloud. One is to leverage the cloud storage. Another is to actually run workflow right. on the cloud. And then the second thing is uh, we're working with uh, Windows Workflow product team to migrate it to Windows uh, Workflow 4.0, which is part of the .NET uh, 4.0. Uh, and then 4.0 is uh, faster and it has a closer uh, modeling uh, to the data-centric um uh, Meta- mechanism. So the, the 4.0 supports data parameters, data input and output, versus uh, 3.5, that is the uh, version we're using. It, it really doesn't have this concept of uh, activity input parameters and output parameters. Really, they're all uh, dependency properties. Uh, there's no input and output concept. So we had to. Uh, model everything ourselves uh, in, in, for this. Uh, with the newer version, uh, it, we, we, we can leverage the built-in model and, and make it to re- we can reduce the code base uh, dramatically.
1: Cool. Now is the source code available for developers who want to look at it?
2: Uh, currently the binary is on the internet for free download. We're working on open source license. So the goal is to uh, make the source code available to the uh, developer community, to the scientific community, so that people can uh, innovate uh, on top of the existing uh, code base. Excellent. Yeah. So we're this year the goal is to build a community. So I need your help to <laughs> to, to, to build a, a dynamic, a true community. All and right. It, it's not an easy job.
1: Well uh, you know we have a lot of scientific minds who listen to the show so go for it people. Uh, it looks sounds like a very very promising uh, project Thank you uh, Dean.
3: I've shrinksterized the uh, the trident site where the CTP can be downloaded from it's at shrinkster.com slash one nine D is a delta
1: 4 Thanks Dean.
2: Thank you Tom and Richard
1: thanks very much for joining us today and we'll see you next time on dot net rocks.